0: Hello and welcome to Priority Roll, an Age of Sigmar podcast from sunny England. Join us as we discuss the ever-changing character of wargaming in the mortal realms. Grab your D6 and get ready for the Priority Roll. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Priority Roll. Today I'm joined by J.P. Gannis and we are talking all about reflections on the post-General's Handbook release gaming environment. Welcome back to Priority Roll. J.P., how's it going?
1: yeah good thanks for having me back we had a great time the first time we, so, did. we did
0: we were talking all about stats versus skill yeah 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 which uh, actually someone someone quoted the tweet at me uh recently and said uh, they just i think they just discovered priority role so welcome to the party um <laughs> and uh they yeah we called it meta breakers stats versus skill so that's uh yeah, it was it was still going down well. And I think that's kind of something that I wanted to create with Priority Role is having discussions that as the meta develops are still relevant. So not mm-hmm. necessarily purely always talking about what's hot and what's not in the sure. um kind of in the in the current meta but also talking about some more conceptual stuff so i guess this is a bit of a little bit of both having said that so i think what we're going to do is we are going to talk about the here and now we're going to talk about what does the post general's handbook landscape look like for age of Sigmar. but we are also going to be talking a little about how one as a player can adapt to an evolving meta and whether or not we're seeing enough of that in uh, the uk tournament scene
1: yeah absolutely and i think i think you hit the nail on the head there in that uh, we're going to be talking about, you know, this meta, these, this new handbook, but in a way that I think will apply to changes that you see in the future as well, hopefully.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we can potentially talk about this for, you know, the next uh, few weeks or months. And then when uh, events are actually finally happening people can put all this into practice i'm i'm hoping that with all the kind of content that's being produced at the moment uh, and all the time that people have got to paint and read up about their armies that when we finally get to play tournaments again properly everyone's going to know their rules back to front uh, everyone's <laughs> I, army is going to be painted wonderfully and everyone is going to be absolutely at the top of their game what do you reckon
1: well i think we're going to see a pretty polarized distribution because i think from talking to people i've seen both like you get people who are like yeah absolutely loved it i've had more time i've been putting in a bunch of you know practice games either online or you know garden hammer stuff like that i know my army i'm really stoked up you know you had the time to tweak it up and then there's other people who are like until i have the tournament deadline in two weeks the game effectively doesn't exist (laughs)
0: <laughs> to show so uh, think- a little bit of the latter if i'm honest in terms of hobby <laughs> in terms of hobby i'm like yeah. keeping up with the the game developments not that mm-hmm. there's been a huge many uh ages ago releases recently with with uh the ninth edition of 40k coming out mm-hmm. but um i think that certainly from a hobby perspective i've lacked the drive to get projects done properly sure Um, But then, you know, I've I've also really enjoyed that, I guess, that break and being able to focus much more on my kind of narrative gaming uh, on uh, Ashes of the Imperium where we're. Steve Foot and I are oh, kind of cool. doing some crusade armies and, you know, really looking oh, nice. forward to kind of really kind of throwing myself into that. So not that I've painted a huge amount of that. i put some models together. Um, but I think there's definitely also, you know, uh, uh, in that kind of uh, balance of, you know, are you throw yourself into it online or Garden Hammer versus mm-hmm. not painting? There's definitely people that will be like, oh, what, what did you get up to in the gaming universe? And like, well, I've got a level, I've got 70, <laughs> you know, level 900 characters on Path of Exile or World of Warcraft. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Again, it's I think it's fine. Well spent. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think it has been a nice change. I know for me, one thing I did is I had a bunch of like single models that were sitting around and I was like, I'm going to take this opportunity to just paint those. Like spend a lot of time on one model, not for any particular purpose, work on my painting. Cause I definitely, for me personally, I'm like, yeah, I don't have the urge to paint you know 200 skinks no you know could that that's that for for a big block of infantry like that i would need a tournament i think to push me like an event to have a deadline for it but i but i enjoyed like working on some new techniques like getting better with the web pal and stuff like that working on just a single model which is you know an opportunity i might not have if i'm like oh i've got this event in two weeks so as you say it's just it's a change that you just explore like different stuff in your in your gaming time slots absolutely
0: right so general's handbook came out a few weeks ago what do you think
1: yeah, I like it. I mean, I think we haven't seen hugely drastic changes. There have been um, some change-ups for uh, points. I guess one thing is maybe I would have expected a little bit more shake-up in some more armies. I like the changes, like Stormcast got some big points drops, which I know a lot of my Stormcast friends were excited to start rebuilding You know their, their list. And now they get 100, 100, 200 points back in there and building stuff. Um so I maybe expected a bit more change across more factions there, um, but also I think um, one thing is that it's easier to make small incremental changes over time than having to flip flop between uh, big decisions. Um, and I really like the new battle plans, and they've removed a couple of the sort of controversial like relocation orb and duality of death that that events were starting to sort of not include in their pack anyways. So. Um, Yeah, it's cool. I think we're definitely seeing uh, like a lot of good feedback to what the community are saying. Like it feels like we're more like GW and the community are, uh, at least, you know, in in some respects for stuff that I personally have been looking at um, pretty in sync. So that's cool.
0: Yeah, by the point that your community is self-policing, Mm. a number of scenarios out of the kind of independent tournament scenes i think that's a fairly good indication that people you know the the players don't want to play them
1: yeah 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 exactly get rid of them
0: you know if if that is the if that is the like literal evidence that you're seeing Mm. then why not use that opportunity to create some cool new battle plans
1: yeah, a hundred percent. And I think it's cool. And I think it's cool that they existed as well. Like, I think, you know, when, uh, the last general's handbook came out, we saw these new missions and we saw like, you know, the change up we had, uh, battle for the past was deploy in a triangle and there was relocation. There was really pushing, mm, yeah. pushing, um, the, the boundaries on those battle plans. And I think that's cool to have tried it. And then when people were like, oh, you know, actually, I don't really like it. It's now we've gone back. But I think it's still cool that now we've seen like, okay, what would it be like if you had like a completely crazy battle plan? it's like, oh, actually, you know, not as much fun as maybe we would have thought. (laughs) But we got to see it, you know, and I think people will be talking about relocation or people will be talking about relocation or forever, you know people will be like oh you should have seen we used to play this battle plan and the objective would just move randomly all over the table you would not believe it you know and, and i know
0: think... all these new players who were like what are you talking about
1: yeah, yeah exactly. mad
0: and you'd be sat there in your, your rocking chair you know <laughs> stroking your beard and be like oh you weren't there oh back then before general's handbook oh you never know what it was like i kind of went wisconsin slash irish there i'm not
1: sure yeah well uh, well you know maybe accents change over time yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible terrible. I'll I'll stick to chatting about Warhammer rather than trying to do terrible accents.
0: Uh and we've also had auxiliary objectives as well.
1: Yes, 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 yes. So uh I think they're reasonably similar to when we had uh, the verse. hidden agendas yeah. before. Um I know that they've changed to using the auxiliaries instead of um the uh kill points for minors. Um mm-hmm. I don't know if that'll stick in the tournament scene. I know we used it for uh, the one one dayer I recently went to up in Scotland, um, and I don't think it came up. I don't think I don't know if there were any miners, but I didn't hear about any. And I know for the next tournament I'm going to, it's just reverting to the more standard um, kill points for miners. But uh, the auxiliaries themselves are, are pretty cool. I know they removed at least one. That people kept scoring against me, which is where you just have to make a nine inch charge. And oh, I, I loved that one. Well, I just kept getting people. that I was like, okay, what did I manage to deny your secondary? And they're like, no, I made a nine inch charge. And I was like, God. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what was I supposed to do about that? Yeah, um, you rolled a nine. Well done, me. <laughs> yeah, well exactly. Done you. <laughs> so, so um, that that one's uh, uh, that one's gone. Um, I don't I don't know in terms of using them for scoring. Uh, I've sort of done stuff on this before. That they don't. I don't think they particularly. Um, have a large effect on like making the ladder reflect who's sort of playing better in the games. I think some sometimes you're going to get like, oh, I was in a really tough game playing for the major, just missed out on the major and therefore didn't concentrate on my auxiliaries. And then you get punished worse, you know, so you're like, oh, I actually would have been better off just taking my auxiliaries and losing the game, which is a skill to recognize in and of itself. So I think sometimes they can, they can feel a bit weird in your game, but uh, I know... One, they help break up the field at events. And two, if you definitely know you're going to lose, then or at least early on recognize you're going to lose, they do give you something to play for to not just get a zero score in a game. So uh, I definitely think they're cool for that reason.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess you could probably do a discussion, a whole episode about realms of battle and the impact <laughs> of removing a lot of the malign sorcery elements yes, from the
1: game. Yes, yes.
0: Um, so, but yeah, what's your kind of quick, quick uh, perception on that?
1: Um, well i think going forward it's it's like a good thing because because they can have weird effects i think like when you have the ether quartz brooch that changes how any army that uses command points could potentially work um and um, so i think it's it's like cool it frees up some design space i think in the immediate effect is that it hurts some armies who are already weaker because they were they didn't have particularly maybe they're an older book or whatever they didn't so have something a
0: like in of grief
1: yes which I, I actually i actually play a lot of in of grief and so um yeah you lose the brooch and that's sort of like half of what you're relying on mm. um and so but i think again that's a short-term thing it's it's like yeah okay some people who don't yet have like artifacts that match the power level of modern artifacts um they're a little bit worse off you know legion of night if you wanted to run your ethereal vampire lord but i think again it frees up space in the future for them to just say okay look you can have um you can have more command points or you can have a model that has a two plus save and we don't need to worry about what if it becomes ethereal um so they have a sort of warping effect again i think it was cool that they existed they had a lot of cool stuff like that um but i don't think it's a disaster that they're gone
0: no and actually i like that they've almost removed a large chunk of uh, sort of the rules that some lists relied on sure because i think you'll see a bit more creativity Mm-hmm. Rather than the kind of the obvious go to of like, well, I'm not really sure what to do. You know, I'll just take brooch because CPs yes. are good.
1: Yes, exactly. And,
0: and there, is th- there is I'll, still a brooch, you know, at the end of the day. You've got the Gravesand brooch in mm-hmm. Shaiish. So, you know, if you are brooch, brooch <laughs> obsessed, if brooches are <laughs> your, th- uh, your bag, then, you know, go for it. You if you've modeled your model with a brooch, yeah, absolutely. If you know. all the heroes in your <laughs> army have got a brooch on, then you- you're re rolling those saves of one. Like uh, yeah. I'm, uh, trooper.
1: I also like that reroll saves of one is also decent like for armies like Legion of Grief who already have ethereal like I was considering even um just taking that on my general because reroll saves of one when you're a point as well isn't it so it's all your your nighthorn heroes with brooches that you've um, (laughs) that I've modeled on you're sorted yeah easy peasy easy peasy although
0: is the the command ability not um uh, a six up ignore wounds roll
1: uh yes, which is sad.
0: Which is sad because Nighthorn already get that.
1: Yes, but you can you use it on something? Well, it depends what the range is, because you're only getting it if you're wholly within twelve. So if the range on the Command ability is maybe only within twelve or wholly within eighteen or something uh, like that.
0: Yes, I haven't checked the ranges, but I think that kind of that I was trying to use that as a useful segue to talk
1: about the oh uh, yes, negating the, the, yeah negating runes. It's Come actually on JP, the,
0: catch up, mate. Come on. <laughs>
1: I'm still just thinking about brooches, man.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> Brooch obsessed. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, no, I think a, a funny one that I was thinking is at first, so the one that jumped to my head is I used to play Flesh Eater Court and the Terrorgeist has a War School spell to give himself a five up shrug. Um, and so now instead of having a five plus save after save and a six plus, you lose the six plus. And at first I was like, okay, well, how many times are you making that six up? And it's actually, in in retrospect, it's actually a fair chunk. So the you well, know, given
0: the amount of wounds a terror guy yeah, has,
1: yeah, are exactly. Statistically,
0: you know, you're saving a, a, a you two know, and know, one, a bit. one one sixth of the wounds, and that's the, yeah, yeah it does equate so to statistically two and a bit
1: wounds. And and also multiplied then by the five plus plus, so each of your two wounds. So say you save two wounds on average, those two wounds are worth two wounds with a five plus after save. So they're actually like because the wounds are higher quality, if you will because they have the five plus shrug they're actually worth more so losing the six plus plus when you already have the five plus plus is actually worse than just losing the six plus by itself so um again it's it's sort of i think it's an immediate effect that will impact you know not very many armies but some armies negatively but again going forwards it allows you to add cool rules like everything's mystical or add more saves without having to worry about um the stacking interaction again yeah and i think yeah. that's
0: when things can get a bit frustrating for some yes. players is when you have overly stacked interactions where mm-hmm. you know especially when you're fishing for sixes yes it's just you know you roll 20 dice and you're looking for sixes and then you roll them all again and you're looking for sixes yeah kind of like, yes.
1: oh good you know i great. think i think it's a similar thing to um what was going on when they were talking about uh the uh, the change to firing Overwatch in 40k um, with, without getting into it too much, is just that you sometimes you have these high variance, low expected value rolls. So you're like, okay, I can save this one wound to win me the game on a 6+. And you're like, cool. But if it's three 6-pluses, you're like, he's still not likely to make it, but hmm. it could happen and then it's annoying. It so doesn't, it's sort of-
0: It doesn't add... Yes, uh, a huge Strategy. amount more of kind of tension because you're still mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, this, this yeah. one dice roll it's pretty critical. You're like, this one dice roll, which happens three times is just as critical, yes, but you're exactly. just increasing, you're slightly increasing the chances of it happening, but not yeah.
1: necessarily... You're not increasing the drama. Yeah.
0: And I think that's that's the, the same for, you know, when you're firing, you know, I've got a hundred shots, all of them hit, all yeah. of the wound, <laughs> none, of the, uh, they're all, none of them save, and then... So you've done one damage he's just like yeah. how's that how's that like you know <laughs> oh. yeah yeah
1: yeah he's throwing and it,
0: dice around the table
1: speeds it up speeds it up as you say and like just gets rid of some weird some weird interaction i know people have talked about it before with they're like just maybe a generic command abilities don't stack unless they specifically say so just for a similar thing of just like it makes it easier for when a new command ability comes out for it just to be okay and not Sort of find these interactions again. In general, I always I say this a lot that I just find that Age of Sigmar plays itself. Like there's there's often these ideas of like broken combos or this or that that come up and do float around in sort of the think tank um, of of sort of the WhatsApp groups and and social media and stuff like that, which is cool and I love partaking in it. But often when you get to the actual table, most people are playing straightforward armies that have reasonably straightforward rules and it's a good time. So I think it, by streamlining stuff that keeps it like that, it's 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 good for the long-term health of the game
0: yeah i think any level of uh, theory rather than application i think you get extreme and niche examples that mm-hmm. can be um slightly misused yeah. so just because thing a is possible doesn't mean that it's probable mm-hmm. and just because players can do a thing doesn't mean that players are going to do the thing yeah and you will yes absolutely you will have some players that will actively seek to to let's say break the game or you know abuse a mechanic whatever it is mm-hmm. um, and and all you know all power to them that's that's sometimes what what will win you games Uh, the kind of, you know, taking a a, a very niche thing and and running 20 of it and then, you know, using that kind of slight weirdness of the army to Mm. to your advantage. Um, But equally, you could have a, a very experienced player that's been playing with an army for goodness knows how long and just knows their lists Yep. Uh, back to front, knows how the threats of other armies interacts with their list and, and plays a good tight game. And, and that's what you see. Like that's, I, at the end of the day, I think that's what wins people games more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That, and that's what you see time and time again. Like you, the, the the top players in in the game right now and for as long as I can remember is people who play normal good strong list like they take a really strong faction they build a really strong list that's solid and like that is full of good units and they play really tight games with warhammer and they win all their games like that's that's what we see it's very rare um at least in my memory to see like oh man this guy came out with this combo that no one knew about and beat all the beat all the best players and now they've won this event and now people are questioning how the rules really work you don't see it uh, like at least not not in my experience again it, it sort of theoretically exists and often sometimes, as you say, it's it's definitely a, this could happen, even if it would. I remember when Archeon's ability in Slaves to Darkness to predict the next, uh, you roll the next priority roll and you can see it and your opponent can't. Yeah. And there was infinite hullabaloo about that. And people were like, you could use Kairos, you could change the dice. And then, and all of it got FAQ'd anyway, so it wasn't possible, which is fine. <laughs> but <laughs> even if it was, right, you, like you're sort of looking at something and you're like, okay, what you're relying on is a t- 1300 point combo that wins you one priority role and you're like is it is it good is it gonna win you games yes i mean i feel it's something that i
0: would do purely as a pr stunt for (laughs) and pr you know clearly pr priority role that is a yes uh, a nice a joke in itself a pun <laughs> in of itself but um i don't think that's what people do at tournaments to win that. yes i, I think that's what you you kind of come up with a crazy concoction you talk about it in a whatsapp chat and, and the sky suddenly falling but mm-hmm. it really boils down to the points that we were discussing in our previous uh when i ha- had you last on which is mm-hmm. you see a lot of these top players playing sort of armies mm-hmm. that are new because they're really into the game and they like Yep. doing trying new things out and and whatever and those armies do well and you've got yep. that kind of correlation of mm-hmm. good players are playing with new armies and therefore the
1: new armies do well does that make the new army better yeah. and everything else and it's very hard in warhammer because again we discussed this a lot on the, on the last time we spoke is that it's a very small sample size you know you don't get to look sit there and say okay we have 30 different warhammer leagues distributed separated by skill and we see that Zinch has just come out and is the best in all thirty of those leagues. And then you could be like, "Wow, okay, okay." We instead we just have one big tournament scene, and if say there's only twenty players in your tournament scene playing Zinch, and half of them are people who were previously winning loads of events, then you're going to have a huge warping effect. Like again, because you, the the scene is just small enough that it only takes one player um to really change how a, how a how an army is viewed and stuff like that. Often often you see it. You see like. Um, a, a certain list will come out, it'll it'll win a one day event, let's say. Come first place. And maybe and you're like, okay, well, why did it come first? You're like, how many people went three oh on a one day event? You're like, okay, three, three or four people. So what decided first place? And you don't even it might be, you know It could have um, been a dice off. Yeah. It could it could have, <laughs> been, it, it could could have, have been sports been votes, painting
0: votes, yeah, a dice chill, off
1: chill points, like secondary scored in game two. You have no idea, but the fact that it's number one, number four earns it all the attention. So and also it's a it's a one it's a one dare, you know, like good players are obviously the most likely to win any Warhammer event, but the person who comes first, you know, maybe two maybe the two players who either could have won it played each other in the last round. And so one came first and one came fifth. Because, you know, of the way the ladder system works, and it's just important when you're looking at any of these results to be like, yeah, okay, this, this, is, this list is obviously a list that is capable of taking three wins at a three-game event because there I did it, but it doesn't mean that it's 10 times better than the guy who came fifth playing a different list because maybe his list is even better but just due to whatever circumstances on the day he's not the person in first place
0: yeah that's that's absolutely i think you know really valid points um what what i jp let's let's move on because i'm keen to not do is is essentially rehash our our old podcast Mm -hmm. which People can go and listen to if they want to. If you haven't already listened to it, it is episode twenty-seven, Meta Breakers: Stats versus Skill, uh, with the lovely JP. So we've kind of given a brief canter through uh, some of the major changes of the General's Handbook, and you said that you thought perhaps that some changes could have been maybe some larger changes or some mm-hmm. different changes. Is there anything that you would have liked to have seen changed more?
1: Uh, I think it really, I don't think anything particularly crazy here is just like there are a couple armies and obviously I don't know what's in the pipeline either, but you look at Beast of Chaos, you look at Gloomspite Gits, um, you look at Nighthaunt and these factions are sort of struggling competitively. And I think if they could, they you know, they got some points reductions, um, but like the Spike Gits list sort of got collateral damage from changing the max number of endless spells. So one of its best lists sort of got worse. And I think you could have just done a like with a bit more heavy-handed points changes on some reductions for them. Not you know I don't not even necessarily to push them up a bracket because again if you make two huge changes that can have unintended consequences and also you you never know truly what an army's power level is because you know maybe just suddenly you know the, the right list or the right players haven't discovered like the best way to get stuff out of it but you get those changes and it really i think gets people excited about their army again they're like oh gets you know my gifts army uh, i love playing them but it's not very competitive in the meta right now and now i've got new points you know maybe you can't make it it doesn't become a top tier army it doesn't become the best faction but you can it gives you options to, to tweak and change your list and have fun with it again so it sort of just lets you rediscover it a little bit And maybe, and maybe then even not to do with the points changes, you discover a new list in the book that you like, because you've just tried different things. And you're like, Oh, I really want to try this. And then you play it and you like it. And maybe you could have even played it with the old points, but you never would have looked at this unit till it was cheaper. And so I think something like that um, could have been nice just for, for those factions. But again, I understand that you don't want to change all too much necessarily at once. And, and like just... You know have whatever happen sometimes also you don't know sometimes like enlightened used to be in beast of chaos when beast of chaos weren't getting a look in and then the list came out with 18 of them and suddenly it was a really really good list and so often it's only it only takes one little tweak to push an army from like even in the bottom tier to the to the top tier so
0: yeah and I think they've always they being in social have always mm-hmm. been very public in their kind of iterative process
1: yes, yes yes these yes.
0: things are the things they're going to change over time mm-hmm. rather than they they would much rather make a make two small changes every six months than one larger change once a year and potentially get it wrong and the impact that will have because exactly once again something we we've kind of continuously said uh on previous episodes is that the the game is way much you know the game is much bigger than yes than the tournament fragment and the tournament scene and Mm -hmm. i think it's important to bear that in mind when you're looking at points changes going oh why can't, for, you know, for example, and this isn't at you specifically, but you've given Gloom Spike Gits as an example. Yeah, there. Yeah, like, yeah. Why? Why haven't spike Gits che- uh, points changed? You know, oh, God, my army's not the best thing since sliced bread. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, grr, I'm so angry at this. It's just like, well, what about all those Gloom Spike Gits players out there who are just like loving life because they get to yeah. bounce squigs around the table?
1: um which or, i've been part yeah. of and i and i, I did. mean yeah i mean I if did. you're
0: not doing that then get out of town <laughs> yeah. um, but uh you know like all the spider fan who's just like yeah. do you know i absolutely love anything with eight legs so uh you know it's, it's uh, spiders aren't tearing up the tournament scene by uh by any stretch of the imagination um although watch this space i have a cunning <laughs> um i think also i'm uh, oh,
1: sorry yeah carry on. The,
0: well yeah but i think that that's it really it's just important to kind of think that Games workshops making these changes, not just for yes, the competitive scene, but also to, to widely balance the game from a kind of uh, more generalist perspective.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I was just going to say, like, there's there are definitely people out there who are like, I am the best Warhammer player in my friends group and I play Git and I win all my games. And, th- you know, if those points drops came out for Git, you know, their three friends that they always play with might just be like, how did this happen? They were like, this guy's already winning all his games, you know? So, and I, and I definitely agree. I think it's one of those things where if you're very invested and always following the competitive scene, then you can feel like, oh, like, I think it's always going to be the view of sort of this, you know, the people on the outside, you're like, I want bigger, crazier changes because I love it. But (laughs) I definitely agree with the process of small incremental changes so that things don't get too crazy, especially now, because the game moves at a very fast pace. Like even, even if you do, like I keep up with it, all the time, um, and even then, I'm like, well, how we've had you know one book per month for the last year or something like that. It's like it's very fast, and if you're a player, as you say, even if you go to tournaments, you maybe are just like, I don't, I don't follow with the rules or the new books or the FAQs. It's moving very fast, so you don't want to get too too crazy where you're like, oh, my army was this, and they're like, well, now you got 500 spare points, and you're like, uh, well, I'm supposed to go to this event next week. What am I supposed to fill those 500 points with? You know, so I think, uh, yeah, as you say, slow incremental changes is. Uh, Makes a lot Te- of sense. Healthy,
0: healthy for yeah, the game exactly. at the end of the day, isn't it? Right. doesn't so... stop me
1: wanting 500 oh, more points of squigs. Oh, of course, who doesn't
0: want 500 <laughs> yeah. points of squigs? Exactly. Yeah, and if and I guess, I, I think you need to, like, take a good hard look at yourself in the mirror, and if you don't want 500 points more <laughs> of squigs, then I guess, you know, you're, you're, you're no friend of ours. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: I guess it is hard to model the brooches on the squigs. That's the only yeah, defense I can understand. that's under true. Scan. That's true. Maybe hanging off a tooth or something. Yes, yeah, though.
0: So, um... What surprised you in the in the general's handbook? What kind of took you by surprise? What didn't you see coming?
1: Oh yeah, interesting. Um I guess the the change to uh auxiliaries from the miners, uh from the kill points, um, surprised me because I think uh sort of kill points has been such a standard. And it was sort of I think when we when we moved into Age of Sigma at first and and like tabling stopped being like an instant win, um was one of the first changes uh from sort of the, the war games I'd previously played. Um and so that was a nice change for me because i played a lot of armies that died all the time and was just playing for objectives and so um again when i play like legion of grief and stuff like that i'm often finishing games uh, even where i win where i'm not uh, n- definitely never outscoring my opponent in terms of kill points so that was a that was a nice change for me and one that i uh, i didn't see coming um and then i guess the other thing that i that uh i didn't expect was the increase in um battlefield roles in the battle plans um yeah so like the battle line scoring yes exactly that is a really interesting change yeah and i think i definitely didn't see it coming and i think we're going to be sort of right like seeing how that has an effect on the way that people build their lists um, and things like that as we uh, continue moving forward.
0: Yeah, and I think that also means that you you create your army from a different standpoint. Like the mm-hmm. starting point is almost you can kind of roll back to zero points and be like, okay, well, yeah. let's have a look at that. I mean, you you know, one should be doing this anyway. But um, when the when engine generals handbook come out, you should should be having a look at the scenarios and mm-hmm. thinking how do you compete in as many of the scenarios as you as you could possibly compete in. Mm-hmm. But I think without the battlefield role changes it would be easy to say well yeah i know this as well it it does all right um or you know the the scoring mechanisms haven't changed a huge amount so let's just give it a go whereas now with um, such an impact on battlefield roles and scoring i think you can almost go back to the drawing board and say okay so what do i need to fundamentally change about my army to adapt Mm. to this new change
1: yeah absolutely and it's and it's definitely i think it's a it's a very interesting one to think about and i think it's it's also going to be an interesting it's going to be important to sort of keep a balanced view in your mind almost because i think right now these so these new battle plans come out and you're thinking out of the 18 battle plans or whatever that exist you're like okay there are these three new ones with scoring and i remember before like there was really there were a couple one or two hero missions and it really did mean that you had to think about making sure that you had a couple durable heroes in your list because otherwise that could really just be a write-off for you like a lot of you'd see lists which were like oh the best way i can fit in the units that i want is by taking you know just two five wound heroes 2
0: five wound goblin yeah. heroes yeah <laughs> and you're just sort of
1: you're just sort of hoping that when you um get out there and at your event that um those those battle plans don't come up and i think now by adding sort of a, a bigger smattering of those it increases the effect and there's also more where you need leaders like to deny burning i think and and stuff like that so it's definitely going to have a big impact on list building i, mean, I think it it it'll be interesting to see one thing i'm initially maybe a little nervous about is that I know there's one line, like sort of a fluff line about how the, in one of the, the battle line scoring ones about it's like, okay, the meekest units in your army, the low level, you know, the troops, the foot sloggers, those are the guys who need to score in this, which I think narratively makes sense. You're like, oh, here's a mission where only your weak guys can score. Whereas in the game, a lot of the lists that, that you know, sort of are running rampant, the battle line is like that's the scary stuff you know if you're looking at yeah. guard berserkers or yeah. or more guide or something like that you're like uh-oh <laughs> yeah you're, you're like exactly oh,
0: these kind of meek- uh, yeah. spin and kind of hanging out at the back of the, <laughs> the the kind of the movers and shakers of the game
1: yes exactly but i think similar to what we were talking about about relocation orb is that we have been shown though that so maybe this comes out and we see i don't think this will happen but you know you see some drastic change all the lists they're just huge blocks of battle line and nothing else and the game's boring and terrible. Um, and that's fine. You know, we wait until the next GHB and no one no one plays better part of Valor and it's been removed. I don't think, like, again, I think it's perfectly fine to, uh, to have these cool, bold changes um, to a couple of the battle plans, so sort of an isolated um, change, and see how it affects the game. Like, again, it gets people changing their lists up. And at the end of the day, if people don't like it, they don't have to play those missions. The game is still totally fine, you know, runs fine, like, with, without them. And it's a cool way, you know, to change to like test things out maybe it's really awesome maybe we move eventually to more you know battlefield role specific scoring stuff and stuff like that so i think it's a it's a cool way to explore uh new effects and i think new battle plans in general are a good way of you can keep the game honest you know
0: yeah no absolutely in fact let's let's break that down a little bit more you know let's talk about how people are gonna change their lists to respond to the new battle plans
1: yes and so i think sort of what i was touched on before is there's at at the start of after the handbook came out, you know, there's obviously likely to be a, a larger focus on these battle plan missions, um, on these battlefield role missions. Um and you sort of you want it's one of those things you want to consider them and not um not over consider them. So I think um an example for me. So I play a lot of Legion of Grief and one of the best units in the Death Grand Allegiance, I think in general, is uh, chain rasps. You know, they're durable and they're cheap. And they come back and they're ethereals. So like really strong for chaff, good at scoring and they're battle, their battle line. So when now, when you're looking at your list, you're like, okay, there's, you know, two or three of these missions where battle lines better. And so you're like, I can actually, you know, maybe, you know, I've often been thinking how many chain wraps to bring in general anyways. And so I'm like, this is a great unit. It's even better in these battle plans. That's like, I I'm really, it, it's a no brainer now to add more chain rafts. You know, that make, that just makes me feel good about everything. Um, But if you're playing an army where you don't like your battle line and you're like, they're weak, um, and I don't think they particularly contribute to the strength of my army, you might want to not consider bringing them in. And the cases where they'll help you can actually be quite marginal. And I've had sort of people ask me questions about this, and this can be about specific matchups or specific battle plans. And it actually has to be a reasonable confluence of factors to make sort of damaging your overall list better for specific battle plans. And I think... It's it's one of those things where people consider only the extra gain they're getting. So they're like, if I add if I add extra battle battle line, it makes me better on these missions, which is good. But I think you have to consider both the fact that you're making your list maybe weaker on other battle plans, which I think most people understand they're like, I think it's I think my list is still strong like this, so I'll change it. But I think you should also consider that a lot of the time you're going to be winning those other battle plans anyways. So if you're at an event, you the the circumstances that need to arrive where it's higher expected value for you to change your list to add more battle battle line. You need to be playing versus an army that's already a tough matchup for you. If you're playing against someone uh, that you're already going to just table, and that could be due to the player skill, you know, maybe you you play 100 games a week, they play one game a year, and you're going to table them anyways, you don't need extra battle line. Um, same for the the faction matchup, you know, maybe you're just playing a really one-sided faction matchup and battle line or not, you're tabling your opponent and you're taking all the objectives. So there's, it the, the margin um, for where you're improving your list is really exists in between um, those two aspects, which I think is important to consider. It's kind of like when you're thinking about whether plus one to cast is good. If you're if you're moving from a seven to cast to a six to cast, the six to cast is a fair bit easier, but the only times that plus one or to cast is helping you is when you roll exactly that six. So it's it's sort of that same idea in that you want to be thinking, okay, if if it makes me feel bad about my list overall to add a moth or to add battle line you know i should consider that really it's only in the situation where i'm in a game that i wouldn't win anyways or lose anyways without making this change um so i think that's the, that's the focus is probably that you don't want to overcommit to weakening your list by getting ready for these battle line missions sometimes you just i know my friend he played a lot of ko and he played ko with only you know like some of his lists he only had two heroes and he would just say look i have to hope that three places of power doesn't come up versus a strong opponent. And that's he's like, I think that's my best list. And he played um he would play events where that where that mission didn't come up and he would uh beat everybody. And and it's just like sometimes it's gonna work out for you. And I think and that, that can still be your best play. Even though you have a weak spot, it can sometimes be better to double down on your strengths than to sort of try and patch up your weaknesses, not guaranteeing you a win, but still like taking some percentages off your other games. So I think that's the main uh thing to take away. Um and that goes for any meta changes in general. I remember when I played Flesh Eater Quartz, um, I was thinking about taking the Ragged Cloak, speaking of malign sorcery artifacts that are gone, the the Ragged Cloak, which was one turn immunity to shooting versus the Doppelganger Cloak, which is effectively one turn immunity to melee. And I was really scared of shooting. So I was leaning towards taking the Ragged Cloak, but I talked to my friend and it was just like, the Ragged Cloak, one, it's not a 100% win rate in shooting matchups, two, Sometimes you're going to beat the shooting matchups anyways, just because Flesh Eater course was so strong back then. And three, the Doppelganger Coke was good in every matchup. Every matchup has melee. Almost every matchup has melee. Even if they also have shooting, they often have some melee and it can be useful. So if you can make a list that's really good on all the other missions, and maybe you'll struggle on the battle line missions if you so happen to also be in a tough matchup versus a tough player, sometimes that's still your best play. So that was a, that was a long way of saying... Don't overcommit to battle line just because there's two new missions that include it.
0: Yeah, and I, I think kind of going back to your point about um, knowing when to take something that makes mm-hmm. a list weaker. Is there any advice that you'd give to players who are kind of weighing up that kind of decision in their mind? You know, how, how does a a player who isn't necessarily used to uh, you know critically analysing mm-hmm. their list? For kind of you know, small benefits here or yeah. there,
1: and
0: how, how do how do you, how would you approach that? How would you recommend them them approaching that?
1: Yeah, yeah. um So I think I think the uh, the first advice I'm going to give, which I think is how um a lot of players do that, is like to go with your gut. You're going to have some gut feelings about um whether you know changing your list in this way is making you feel good or feel bad. If you feel you know, maybe you're sitting there going, I don't want to do this change, but I'm worried about these battle plans. That sounds to me like just go, with, just go with your gut and don't make your list into one that feels slightly worse. Because also then when you go to an event and none of those battle plans come up, you're just going to be like, oh, I wish I'd had my original list. If you're like, oh, I was wondering whether to take the black coach or not. And now the black coach is a off which lets me score more on focal points. I love it. Go for that. Um, so I'm going to say that's probably the first piece of advice is just like like go with your feeling of what is a stronger list and if you feel like both are equally strong but one has more battle line, great, you're winning on both fronts. That's how I feel about chain rasps. But if you feel like one's weaker but could do better on these battle plans, maybe don't go for it. And the second piece of advice I think is going to be just play testing your list if you can. So Playtest your list that doesn't have extra battle line on the battle line missions, and be like, did I feel like bears. exactly? Be like, did I feel like I could never win because I just didn't have um, any battle line, uh, or did I feel like it was okay? You know, not my best mission, obviously, but I feel like it was okay for for me. I would. Uh, this happened to me on at my one day event. I my battle line was one unit of chain rasps, two units of dire wolves. First battle pl- uh, First. Mission at the event um, was better part of valor, so six objectives, battle line, you need battle line to score them, and I was playing versus fire slayers. Um, so they've got loads of hearthguard berserkers, volkai berserkers, really tanky, scary battle line. And when I when I saw the draw, I was just like, oh yeah, it's over, I've lost. Um, but you know, I thought about it a lot, got some advice from my friends, and came up with a with a sort of plan, and then got really lucky in my game i won like th- the key priority roles i needed to win um my opponent failed the key charge he needed to make with his Hearthguard berserkers um and i got lucky and i won the game and i think that's important just to remember is just that like a lot of the games that you think are really 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 bad are only unfavored so like uh, most games in age of sigma are not unwinnable and so if you again you play test your list. You're like, oh yeah, okay, I lost, but I can see what I could have done better, or I won anyways, or anything like that. If you if you think your list is the list you want to play, but still playable on these missions once you play tested them, then give it a go. If you think you play the mission and you're like, look, if this mission ever comes up, I've automatically lost it, then maybe you do. Maybe you maybe you want to make the change just because you're going to feel better about going to events because that that could possibly be drawn into. But yeah, the two, the two things I say is trust your gut. You probably know which is, you know, which is the better list and which is maybe just being overly nervous, overly afraid of these battle plans coming up. And the second one is if you still don't know, just test it. Just give it a whirl.
0: I think that's that's fair. That's fair advice. Um, What about any pitfalls or traps that you think people might fall into in terms of just analyzing what the impact of the General's Handbook might yeah. be and potentially overreacting? Mm hmm. Yep. I mean, it's, so it's it, not not like Warhammer's. Yeah, to, uh, Warhammer's.
1: it's <laughs> yeah. not like
0: Warhammer's to overreact,
1: is it? No, no. I think it's a measured response to everything that happens after <laughs> let's, extensive let's, testing. <laughs>
0: let's use the phrase
1: uh, "overcorrecting," perhaps. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Very, very diplomatic. No. Yeah. I think similar to what I've said with the battle plans, it's easy to focus on the new stuff. So, I know one thing that has been around for almost as long as I've been playing Age of Sigmar is like the rise of the shooting meta when Nagash was the best army, everyone was like, ah, well, what's going to happen is we're going to see this rise in the shooting meta to deal with Nagash. When I was playing Flesh Eater Courts, we were waiting for a rise of the shooting meta. When Slanesh was running around, we were waiting for the shooting meta. And now we kind of are getting into a shooting meta. But I think what determines whether you're in a shooting meta or not is not whether shooting would be good against certain units, it's whether there are good shooting armies in the game. So right now we're going to see, you know, KO were a solid army before. I think there were a very good army, and they've gotten some big points drops, which is going to make them better. And I think, similar to the battle plans thing, you can, and to what I was talking about when I was talking about the Ragged Cloak, you can overreact to a shooting meta. You can, I think, and I've done this before in in my head, is you, you're like, oh, I'm going to play against KO. And you're thinking, oh, well, he's going to shoot off my five wound heroes. And you're worried about that. And you're like, and also he's going to shoot off all my infantry who I need to score. And also he's going to shoot off all my shooting. So I think in your brain, you can... Think of the worst case scenario, and like five worst case scenarios that can definitely not all happen at once. And so, I think similar to the battle plan thing, you don't want to sit there and say, "I'm not going to take any of any unit that can get shot off the board." I because think that's, it's
0: can- that's a great, a great example of the kind of you know when we talk about theory hammer and niche yes. kind of things. Is yes. and this is this really isn't that you know this isn't niche at all. <laughs> you know, saying that Ko can shoot a fucking hero off, it isn't a <laughs> niche uh, example, but is an example of where I. <laughs> people write off ideas and lists yes. because they die to a stiff breeze from you know oh KO would ruin that so there's no point in taking it yes exactly and, and that that is the kind of attitude that I really really don't like because a it puts it puts new players off Mm -hmm. um playing the game so um kind of referring back to our kind of stats v skill type thing if someone looked at um you know some of the stats that are published and said oh i you know i really want to take gloom spike gets yeah right so you look at the 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 percentage win rate for Mm gloom spike gets and and you go oh well they're rubbish (laughs) because they're really low so how do i feel about that or or they post on and i've genuinely seen this happen uh they post on like warhammer tv of like oh yeah. my god look warhammer i used to be into this um when i was a kid like great to see that it's uh, on twitch now like i'm thinking of starting with uh, goblins do they exist anymore and someone's like yeah they're actually called Gr- grots now they there's these things called Spike gits and then someone jumps in and goes and it wasn't Glean Spike Gits at the time. It was it was another army. But someone jumps mm-hmm. in and goes, uh, well, actually, no, uh, they've got a win percentage of X. So Yeah, they're unplayable. Uh, they're unplayable. Depends whether you want to win or lose, you know. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just, just, just like, this kid's like, oh, this guy's just like yeah. getting back into the game and exploring the hobby. Like just yeah just no let, let him play gloom spike it no and, totally and and equally this person's local seed or meta might be the meta where gloom spike gets could thrive
1: yeah maybe he's the best player there you know maybe he's like yeah when i when i used to play i was really good now i'm coming back i bring gloom spike gets i'm better than everybody else there and i win i'd win on any faction you know you yeah. don't it doesn't and, take that's, that. and
0: that's where this kind of like um i saw loads of examples of it back in previous editions of 40k when the heldrake mm. first came out because it was an ap3 uh, mm-hmm. flamer so it meant mm-hmm. that it would it would go through space marine uh, sure. armor and so if you ever posted a list on like a forum or a chat <laughs> about with anything including like standard space marines without any form of invulnerable save or protection or anything yeah. like a transport the response would be oh yeah it dies to a heldrake <laughs> perfect like, <laughs> yeah great but like they're not all yeah but someone takes three helldrakes that whole army's toast and you're like <laughs> i mean when was the last time i played someone with three heldrakes? i know, know. and it, that was it, just the response and i think that's a really like uh, a genuinely kind of quite negative approach to the game that a puts new players off b prevents uh people exploring new ideas but also like at the end just of the isn't day helpful. it isn't helpful it doesn't add
1: value it's not making you make better lists like like there's sort of two options right one you're right ko is going to shoot off every single army in the game fine then i don't need to consider it in my list building i'll just build a list as if ko didn't exist because it doesn't matter what i do because i'm getting shot off by ko or the flip side is ko is not going to shoot everything off in which case i also still just build a list it's it's again it's similar to the battle line thing you need uh you need to think about okay can i maybe if you're playing nurgle Right, you're playing Nurgle and you're like, I'm 50 50 on whether to include Plague Bearers in my list. So then you go and you look at the meta and you're like, Whoa, KO on the up and up looked good, looking even better now. Well, Plague Bearers, I love them now. You know, I was on the fence, but really they got minus two to be shot. I love it. Throw them in. Great, great decision. But if you're sitting there playing, you know, flesh eater courts and you're like, Oh, my terror guys are weak to shooting. You don't sit there and say, well, I'm not going to take terror guys. You just, you, you take terror guys and you, you know, you're like, I'm going to accept that I'm unfavored versus KO. doesn't mean you can't win. You know, it just means that like, you you know, any list is going to have unfavored matchups, but I think certain things have like a worse effect in the mind of, um, of war gamers. So like, everybody you know fire slayers really strong army right now a lot of people are going to be unfavored versus fire slayers but nobody talking when you're building a list no one's like oh well you won't be able to kill a block of 20 hearthguard berserkers with that you know but for some reason when you've got heroes you're like oh well, KO will shoot them off and you're like yeah well maybe they will you can win games when your heroes die and i think again it's important to not um over exaggerate this stuff in your mind and not to consider all these possible scenarios Again, of the shooting. Like, I've, like, my, again, my friend plays a lot of KO. And so I had good insider information. He was like, Yeah, he was like, We, we do good damage. He was like, But most of that damage, need, you need to be within 12 inch range. And it's not infinity damage. You know, it's good damage, but it's not infinite damage. And I played versus KO. And that, that was exactly the case. I was like, Okay, look, some of my stuff is getting shot off. Like, some of my stuff is dying, like it would versus any army. And I've got other stuff that I can still play with. And like, if, if you beat yourself up in your head too much, you will construct this scenario that you can never win. And that's even without the fact that sometimes the dice are just not going to do what they do most of the time. I played, again, I was playing Legion of Grief up at the Northern Masters and I was versus Skaven. Um, I made a mistake with my general, forgot about uh, the position of the gnaw holes. All these Storm Fiends went through the gnaw holes and they just blasted them. I was like, oh, well, my general's dead. Like, I made a mistake. My general's dead. They just blasted my general. I made like six out of seven, four up ethereal saves and he was fine. Like, and sometimes that's going to happen. Sometimes, you know, you're just going to be like, oh, this, you know, 90% of the time, 80% of the time, 70% of the time, this play works like this. But, seven, you know, one in three, everybody's failed a three up save before. Everyone's passed a five up save before. Like, you even if the reality was sort of as bad as you think it is, it sometimes isn't going to happen because, you know, you've got a lot of variance in this game. And sometimes, again, you're going to play versus KO, but it's a much less experienced player. It's a non optimized KO list. There are, you know, it's a great battle plan for you and a terrible battle plan for KO. Like, there's all these factors that you need to consider before you try and change your list so that there's no way you could ever possibly lose to what you think the new meta is going to be my favorite one of that is you just don't play ko yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: yeah and i think i only played slanesh at its absolute height in a practice game before yeah. before a tournament i mm-hmm. never faced slanesh in its kind of full glory on the tabletop in a, in a tournament yeah, uh, and-, and exactly the same for daughters of Cain when they yeah. first when they first came out and they were well not when they first came out but when they were kind of at their, like when Benjamin Saver was kind of doing so mm-hmm. well with them that that kind of time yeah um and they were the kind of thing to watch out for never played them I've yep. played them plenty, plenty of times since yeah, but yeah, yeah at that time when someone would have said there's no point in taking yep. large blocks of hoardy infantry cuz mm-hmm. doors of witch else yeah. will
1: just destroy them
0: i i cracked on with my skaven play monks and didn't yeah didn't didn't play daughters so and
1: i and i think that's and that is you are much more likely to not play any ko than you are to play five ko obviously or to play three ko you're pretty unlikely to play two ko so like it's it's one of those things if you've sat there at the list building process and been like i wish i could bring this hero who gives me this really good buff but I think he'll get he shot off. He
0: spontaneously combusts when a KO unit <laughs> yeah, is deployed. Yeah, exactly. You know, you could literally have something like that, and yeah. you should still take it yeah. if that's what you want to bring. Because you can still do fairly decently at a tournament with four four, and one.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, you know, again, this is sort of what I was saying before. Again, let's say you take a list specifically tailored to beat KO, and you go, and there's a guy playing KO. One, you get lucky enough to draw a KO player. And you get you do a KO draw, and it's just a player who's ten times better than you, or ten times luckier than you, you know, or both. And you just go and you're like, yeah, I lost. You're like, and and now I brought and now a my list of rubbish weak. against, yes. you know, exactly. the, the majority of the field. You're you're going to get unlucky, and that's not to say that if you have a list that you love playing that's great against KO, you shouldn't play it. Obviously, you know, bust it out. But I don't think you want what you want to avoid is going to an event and being like. I'm not playing the list I wanted to play and I'm not playing versus KO five times in a row. So what was the point? Yeah. Like you, you want to, you, you want to feel like, Oh, I made a decision to bring a list I love. And if you do get KO on, you know, game five, table one to win the event and you lose, you're like, Oh, okay. Well I still made the right play. Cause there's, there's 50 r- versions of that tournament where you didn't play KO or where you lose to the KO guy anyways, with your slight tweak or where you, you, you know, you, you would have beaten, you play a KO player game one and it's their first game of Age of Sigmar ever and you beat them, you would have beaten them with you know, with you know, literally Warhammer fantasy rules or something. So you just, uh, it's just, unless you're going to an event where you're like, my one goal is to win the actual event and there's only one other player I'm afraid of there and they're playing KO, then you can change a list. Unless you have a very, very specific goal. And even then it doesn't sound like great expected value to me, but that's fine. But don't do it out of the fear of like, just what you said about people being like, well, three hell drakes will take it off. You're you're just as likely to play three hell drakes as you are to play five KO. So just just take the list you want to play. Take the strongest list that you think you can build and. If counters come, then counters come. But, like, there's no difference in the luck required to sort of end up versus KO or not, or the luck to just lose all your priority rolls and fail all your charges, you know? Yeah, Both of those yeah, things are sometimes yeah. going to happen. I think that's,
0: that's definitely kind of plugging into the, the kind of theme of, like, just go with the flow in terms yeah. of, like points releases or you know thinking about the bigger picture of the tournament scene or the warhammer scene not it's not just the tournament scene in the mm-hmm. same way that going to a tournament and facing ko round one when you haven't you know adapted to them and losing the first game they just played yeah. four great games of warhammer after that
1: yeah it's then it's the pressure's just, off and you don't yeah, worry yeah. about like you exactly. know, winning five and none uh it's it's, uh, none. it's also like again if you want if you want sort of the the mathsy part of it right if if 10 of the field is ko and then even if you had changed your list to have 100 percent win rate versus ko right you're only getting that extra 10 percent of value if you play against yeah um if you play against them so like it's not worth compromising you know 90 percent of your matches to to improve the win rate in 10% of your matches, so
0: yeah. not worth compromising your statistical chance, and yeah. it's certainly not worth compromising your, your experience. Jobbing. Exactly. In your experience. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. So talking of Mm -hmm. uh, correcting lists and adapting lists, this is Mm. a subject that um, I think has been used in, uh, again, in the kind of social media, kind of when people kind of butt heads online about, Mm -hmm. you know, is something broken? No, it's not broken. You're just not playing it. Against it properly you know just shoot the heroes type thing <laughs> um, which uh, which if you ko obviously is very easy yeah um, yeah of course that <laughs> they are the ideal just shoot the heroes force. in fact yeah <laughs> um so the the what i've written here to, to you when we were when mm-hmm. we were writing to each other was um uh you wrote the the meta in age of sigma is not very self-correcting yes um and i thought that um, you know what players do to adapt. So we've talked about what players might um, change mm. in the face of um, of the general's handbook, and we talked mm. about maybe some mistakes and pitfalls that they might fall into. But now I want to talk more about more conceptually about how one adapts to an evolving meta. Yeah, and yeah. whether you think enough critical analysis of the and I'm you know waving my fingers out of it, <laughs> the good the good lists you know let's say that lists win games not players um, sure is enough critical analysis and re- reflective discussion on mm. the strengths of those lists being conducted at the moment
1: yeah i think it's a hard question because i think it's framed in this ball of lots of other stuff that goes on in age of sigmar and a big part of it is is sort of what we talked about about people not being in the tournament scene but also that people in the tournament scene a lot of people aren't going to maximize their win rate so the first thing you're going to do when you're looking at sort of, I think a big reason that this doesn't happen where this sort of correcting for the meta in Age of Sigmar is what we've talked about, which is that you're going to get a very fuzzy signal on the meta when you go to an event, because if everybody there wanted to win more than anything else, you'd see everybody playing, you know, one of two lists. You'd either be playing what everyone thinks is the best list in the game or counter to it. So in that case, it'd be very easy. But in the case that we have, you've got lots of people are going to go and they're going to be like, yeah, I'm bringing my only squigs list because I really love squigs. Great and, great on you. Yeah, exactly. And you're like that person that like they, you know, maybe they're making some tweaks um based on, you know, X or Y, but you know, they're they're playing squigs first. So I think one that makes it difficult to do critical analysis cuz it's hard to get a read on the meta um for that reason. But if we sort of assume that everybody is going and even if they're going to play squigs, like they want to play, they're, they're like, I want to have this many squigs, and then I want to play the list most likely to win games with that many squigs. And I think that's how a lot of people do list building. They're like, I love these models, and so I'm definitely playing them. What what's the what's the most winningest list I can bring that has? 250 squigs or that has Gobba Palooza in it or you know that has a million chain wraps so yeah I, th- I, li- I quite like that approach to it it's yeah.
0: like and that balances uh, your desire to build an army to kind of your specs mm-hmm. but also tuning and uh, being realistic about winning games and your expectations and I think that's something I personally got really wrong in the start of Age of Sigma because I was you know and, and squigs is a great example because I was that person I wanted <laughs> to bring as many squigs as possible, yeah, and I did that to the detriment of my list strength, like significantly, mm-hmm. and lost, you know, points where I was losing five, you know, five games in a tournament and, mm. and coming nearly last. um But you, you know, or, you know, usually lose four and then kind of just about pull it by the skin of the teeth. <laughs> such a, a weird, quirky list for game five that uh-huh. i kind of just about do it. So, but but doing poorly at events, and then I I kind of took a step back and and was like, I really really love squigs. I like mm-hmm. their like big, angry, and bouncy red things. I love that, and I love <laughs> yeah. the fact that people know me on the scene as the the you know Dats, Big yeah. Dan or whatever, like Moon uh-huh. Dan. Um, and I, I love the the kind of the army because there wasn't there wasn't this kind of gloom spike gits faction. Yeah on the scene it was like all the old metals and and people just like stuff like that they love and Mm -hmm. it was on you know this big squig army was on Warhammer TV and I played against Les Martin from Face Hammer and and it was like you know oh the squig army you know Mm -hmm. but it wasn't very good although the, the one I played at uh, TV, I think, was the, the the post reflections list. So I mm. kind of I went back to the the army list drawing board and I said, what do I want to get out of my army and what mm-hmm. do I enjoy about going to tournaments? It's, well, I don't enjoy get getting my my stuff kicked in <laughs> four or five times in a row. I sure. I genuinely don't. It's not it's not fun. It's it's not like oh I've had a great time pushing squiggers around. It's like, yeah. My enjoyment of squigs isn't that you know, so extreme that I can enjoy losing, I can still enjoy all five of my games just purely because I'm dying with squigs. <laughs> I want to play squigs. Yeah. But I also want to do it with a vague idea of competing. Yeah. And so that's when I looked at my list and thought, well, what do I need to change about that? You know, what, mm-hmm. what do I need to do? I need yep. to drop the the fourth Mangler squig? or the, <laughs> it, was, it was the point when I was running, I think, two Mangler <laughs> squigs and two Colossal squigs and potentially a Magma Dragon, or I called it the, <laughs> the Magma Squig. Um, nice. And uh, and at that point, I think that was the one where I lost five games, and I was just like, it was a, it was, and I think you could take cave squigs as battle line or all the kind of the battle line equivalent back then. And so I think it was like war boss on squig, three units of five or ten cave squigs, and then double mangler, double colossal, and then a, a, a or maybe it was maybe it was quadruple mangler, um, and then a Magma squig, and, and it was that, at that point where I was like, right, I need to, I want to get as many squigs as I can. Into the army, but still be good. Yeah, still be okay-ish. Mm-hmm. And there was definitely a conscious decision where I got, you know, let's say all squigs is on the left hand side, and the best gloom spike gets or, or Moon clan grot army as it was yeah. is on the right hand side. There was definitely a point when I was like bringing the the needle on the scale over to the right, where I stopped and I made a conscious decision to stop and said I could make my list literally better by doing this change again. But in order to do that, points-wise, I need to take out more squigs. And I need to take out more squigs than I'm happy taking out. Sure. And so I stopped. And yeah. So I, I kept true to my aim, which was run a squig heavy list, but I, I added some uh, some large blocks of infantry, and I, I, I did okay. I think I got uh, best destruction at one of the face hammer nice. Yeah. And I um,
1: think I think you. And,
0: and, and admittedly, that did involve cheating against Jack Armstrong. Sorry, Jack. Um, <laughs> but uh, an honest mistake. Um, and uh, yeah, like I still I still kept true to my squig my squig, squiggy roots, but I added in like a couple of bolt throwers and some large blocks of infantry, and you know there was still a, a safe amount of squigs in there and i think you know that's a very long rambly kind of um thing to go on about squigs there but i think the, the kind of the <laughs> that's aesop's, what we really want to talk about exactly maybe we should do a squig podcast um <laughs> the kind of aesop's fable parable at the end is is be confident where you want to be on that spectrum you know the left and yep. right if, if left is all squigs and right is or all, all, all all winning. or winning
1: okay yeah you're yeah. somewhere the on the spectrum squigs like, to
0: boats exactly squigs and boats oh my god that'd be ter- terrifying wouldn't it um the the what was it the Grotbag bag scuttlers imagine that squiggy <laughs> squig, like the squid craft carrier Um, so yeah just be like have an awareness and kind of t- have a chat with yourself and, and understand where you are on that spectrum and bring yourself to that
1: i think like, also i think what's what can often be good and i think you've nailed it on the head by describing it as that spectrum is it can sometimes just be fun to move move along you don't have to make this decision of being like i'm either an only for fun player or an only win at all cost player like you can do exactly what you said you can be like it's not okay a binary scale is it exactly and so you can sit there and say look you know i'm playing squigs i love squigs but i haven't won a single game in 10 years and i want to win some so you can you can bump the needle up. And now you're like, oh, I'm enjoying it. I'm winning more. And then you can be – maybe you change it again. Maybe you change it again. And then at some point, you're like, oh, I'm winning more, but – you know, I've I forgotten seem my room. No squigs. <laughs> I, I, seem for, to I have no I, squigs. You're like lots of flying dwarfs in my army. <laughs> yeah, but no squigs. Exactly, and you can just move around on that spectrum. You don't need to commit to being like I'm never going to more than sixty percent filth. You can just you can enjoy moving around on that spectrum for different events and just being like, yeah, okay, I've taken some really strong lists and I've taken some really weak lists and like. For my next list, this is where, and you're going to learn, you know, where that, where that boundary is. And so I think it's just, again, sort of the stuff we were talking about, about not over compromising for the meta, not over compromising for battle plans. It's the same here, right? Like, if you're going to reduce your enjoyment by 90% to get, you know, a 10% increase in win rate, it's probably not a good trade you can do it the other way around, if you're like, look, I get 10% less squigs, but 90% more win rate, then yeah, great, love it, do and, it and anyway. And also,
0: you can, do, uh, you can do that with factions as well. Mm-hmm. So if you are looking at that, you don't have to be, your needle on the spectrum doesn't always have to be on the left for, if, if you always want to be the silly squig army, then by all means, keep your silly squig army. And you don't have to nudge mm-hmm. that needle to the right at all. But maybe when you try a new faction, you'd be like, do you know what? Yeah, this is going to be my absolute uh, crazy filth army.
1: Yeah, this is, and I nailed. think you've
0: you've seen that with uh, someone like uh, Laurie, who has been playing Silverneth for goodness knows how long, and
1: yeah, which um, is totally filth, which is uh, yeah. <laughs> which we've established is the filth, the right hand side of the needle, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely,
0: and now he's playing a really narrative uh, zinch list,
1: yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so just a player, just a really
0: you know rags to riches story, <laughs> absolutely, gotta love it, love to see it. Well done, Laurie. No, but you know, Laurie's always been very true to his Silverneth and and yeah. and has always played. Um, uh, a, a comp- as competitive list as he can i think but mm-hmm. he's he's fundamentally stuck to Silver death and i think yeah. he's almost he's done that knowing that he could be playing stronger lists
1: yeah and winning more books, games
0: but he wants to do it with silverdeath mm-hmm. and now he's kind of taken the he's like do you know what? i've i've done that enough and i want to try new things and now i'm going to take some zinch and and you know have give myself yeah. a new challenge and i think you can approach that army from a completely different perspective and it'll be really interesting to see you know how he does with it once once we're all playing events again um so yeah so i guess kind of going back to the point about changing armies is Mm -hmm. that do you think that people are adapting their armies uh, enough and are we so focused on lists these days in in the in the world of you know the internet and constantly sharing lists and people mm-hmm. being able to see what list won what event you know hours after or minutes after it yeah. happened um do you think we're too list focused and potentially not b- uh, not book enough focused
1: yeah i think basically i think we're too i think people often have yeah a very small an overly results orientated really view on it, and you see that manifest in these list things and these book things and stuff like that. Where I think overall the community has a good grasp on which books are better and which lists are better, but I think you do see stuff exactly like so. You go, you look at who won an event, and you say, okay, look, they're playing basically the standard list, but they're including this one hero that no one else takes. Does that mean they're that that hero is why they won the event? No. Maybe, maybe that, may, you know, maybe that that hero, even they think maybe they're like, oh, I'd never take that hero again. He didn't, he didn't um, do anything good for me. I know when I I played a lot of Legion of Grief, and my first, uh, one of my first iterations, I sort of had a little bravery bomb package. I had a couple of uh, anti-bravery endless spells, and I had one Tomb Banshee to get a bravery scream that I could use to to literally shoot off the heroes or snipe things for, with bravery or increase battle shock or something like that. And it never worked, right? No, the, it was a terrible combo. Yeah, I think I you, did like, but you did, I did well. Like, but yeah, the, the, the banshee I, I, didn't
0: didn't exactly. wasn't the thing that won you the event. Yeah, yeah
1: I did like four mortal wounds to a uh vampire lord, and that was like the best, um best thing that happened. But I won the event. It was sort of one of my best results, probably my best result with Legion of Grief. But I immediately was like, I'm changing the list. Like this is not this is not the list. And so um If you're overly focused on, like, oh, what are the exact details of the list, you miss a bunch of other stuff. Like, again, in that event I won, one of the reasons I was playing Legion of Grief is because Lanesh was so dominant at the time. And I was like, lots of ethereal bodies that don't give away depravity are really good against Keepers of Secrets who have, like, two attacks with Ren 3. I was like, that's a great choice. And in my final game, I was playing against the Nash so it was like it was I'd made a sort of good meta choice and I'd gotten lucky with um running into that uh in my final game and so that's what happened so you can sort of like it'd be very easy to be like oh yeah he's got this bravery bomb package maybe we should make more bravery it's like no make less of it like like maybe Legion of Grief itself is just terrible like it's just lucky that in game five I was playing a favored matchup for my army and that can happen a lot so I think people can get tied up in that and lose sort of what we've been talking about this holistic viewpoint of like okay what right now are really strong books what right now are strong units that i can build a list around and start play testing it because the best list is not going to win every at every event you know the best player is more likely to win that they're at but even then the best player is going to lose a bunch of games to the second best player at an event and you're, you're not going to get the right signals necessarily on the list. So I think as if you're a player looking to sort of get your finger on the pulse for how to adapt to the meta, and this is sort of, I guess, what sparked this off when we we're talking about it, it doesn't happen a lot. You don't see a shift when you see Slanesh get better. You don't see a shift overall in players moving towards factions that are good against Slaanesh. And part of the reason for that is that what we talked about, which is like, maybe you never face them. Do you really want to, you know, play a weak, you don't want to play a weak army overall that only beats Nesh and then only the next once or never. Um, so obviously that's part of it. But if you are sitting there looking and being like, okay, I want to get um, my finger on the pulse for the meta and take something that's good against the field, then um, I think one of the things you have to do is consider your local meta versus the global meta. You know, I play up in Scotland. There are, you know about 100 players, you know, at 40 to 50 player events that you're going to see. And so, like, no one in Scotland really plays Seraphon. I don't know how good Seraphon are because I haven't really played against them. And they're not really, even if they're a very good list, and I see lots of people talking about them, Salamanders are great, blah, blah, blah. It's not really a consideration for me in my meta building, in my, like, in how I consider the meta, because there, there isn't going to be Seraphon in my events. You know, or at least I don't expect that to be. Maybe they will be able to surprise me. But, um, so you should be looking at your local meta, not necessarily the whole global meta. And the other thing is going to be don't be what we talked about, don't be overly influenced by the small changes in this one list that won won an event or did very well or something like that. And try and have that more holistic viewpoint of like, look, here here are the books that are doing really well. And then you can either be like, I want to play one of those, which is perfectly fine, or you can try and sit there and say, okay, we're seeing, you know, a lot of shooting um and you know, Fire Slayers, Deepkin. Okay, what book do I think is good against those armies? And again, you might, it's it's not, even if you're good against roughly that spread of the meta, it doesn't mean you're going to beat all those armies every time. But what that can do is that can sort of give you this cool angle as being, and I enjoyed this about Legion of Grief, is it was like, oh, I'm playing Legion of Grief. No one else in Scotland is playing Legion of Grief. I've got my own sort of little thing going on, it's good against the field. And I'm doing well with it. That's really fun. That's a really fun place to be on that needle. I was playing the strongest Legion of Grief, Grief list that I could come up with. Basically, I was, you know, I changed the list a bunch of times, but I was always trying to make it a really strong list. And so I wasn't like, oh, I'm just totally, you know, for fun because I'm not playing a top top faction. I was like, I'm trying to make a strong list with the models I like in a meta that I think is reasonably favorable for Legion of Grief. And I just had a great time doing that. And so I think that's. That's like a really fun place to be is if you want to, if you're looking for a new army is to look at the meta, maybe see stuff that not a lot of people are playing that could be good and just bust it out and see, like, even if you go zero five and you're like, whoa, did I totally misjudge this? It's still fun to play um, that your, your own brand, your own trademark, your own TM list. Um, I think there's a lot of fun to be had there.
0: Yeah absolutely and you've just used a really important word twice and that kind of final thing and that's that's fun i think at the the core of it warhammer is all about having fun and if that fun for you is chasing the absolute kind of pointy edge of the sword Mm -hmm. then go for that and if, if fun for you is is squigs then then crack on and do that you know i think we won't ever judge people for um for enjoying their own brand of fun as long yep. as it's not um you know really negatively impacting the the overall fun of of someone else and that's not to say you know that someone that's brought all the all the angry ko boats and smashed yeah, the squid yeah, yeah. player up isn't you know that we disapprove of that at all it's just as a as a slight dislocation of expectation in terms of what each player wants from the game and the uh the ko probably person probably didn't have as much fun in that game
1: either because you yeah, played yeah. a really
0: a really left left field uh a left on the spectrum list
1: yeah you do you i guess is the point we're trying to make yeah i think we touched on this last time but it's just exactly that it's like if you i don't think there's anything wrong with and i don't think anyone deserves any flacket they like the way i have fun is by playing The hardest and best winning lists in the whole game and that you should like even though the game is about fun that doesn't necessarily mean that you're playing armies that are fun to play against like you can be a fun person at the table and still be playing the hardest list in the game like the the most the filthiest list in the game and if that's what you enjoy i don't think people should give you flack for it you know maybe don't do it at a friendly game versus someone you know who's not doing it but like go to events be a good person be a good opponent to play against and like yeah, everybody should get to do their own thing. Absolutely,
0: what a happy note to finish on. JP, <laughs> very quick two questions. I'm not going to ask yeah. you the same two questions because you've already been on here and I'll, I'll answered them. Um, I'll change it slightly. So, what one thing are you going to add to your lists? Um, given uh we in the kind of wake of the general handbook mm-hmm. being released and what is one thing you're going to take out and why?
1: Oh, okay. So, um one thing I'm going to so for uh, I might be changing armies. Might be changing armies. Think about slaves to darkness cuz they got some cool anti-shooting technology. But for my legion of griefless, I've been playing for a while. One thing I'm going to add, yeah, is more, more chain wraps. Um I was saying before chain wraps are a great unit. They always are like MVPs in a lot of my games just because they're cheap scoring ethereal lots of models guys um right now i have one unit of uh 30 probably go up to two units of 40 or one unit of 41 unit of 30 so that's definitely gonna be a thing i'm adding as i said i was already wanting to add more now that there's battle line missions um i'll be adding them one thing i might be taking out is then um just some of the damage for basically the same reason. Um, there's a possibility I my finally changed my general from a Dreadblade Harrow because he, ha- he did get shot off. But I think that might be what we were talking about before, of overly reactionary, and over like an overly negative reaction. So I think what I'll be removing is just a little bit of my fighting units who have seen since like the meta has gotten more infantry, more tanky blocks, the damage units aren't as good at fighting. And so I'll be taking those out and just reverting to more board control cheap bodies and battle line scoring in um in the chain wraps. awesome
0: well jp it's been an absolute pleasure as always uh, oh yeah well thank you very having much having you having we've already spoken about a couple of topics uh, on whatsapp about some some future topics to potentially
1: cover yeah uh, which i love but
0: hopefully i uh, hope have you back on soon
1: glorious yeah well thanks again and uh, always a always a pleasure cheers jp take it easy you too man
0: thanks for listening to priority Roll. if you want to get in touch with us we're at priority Roll on both twitter and instagram you can send us an email priority role podcast at gmail.com or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash priority role and leave us a voice message if you want to leave us some feedback we're always looking to improve or if you just want to suggest a topic to talk about on one of our upcoming shows then feel free to get in contact with us we'd love to hear from you until next time thanks for listening to priority Roll.